0: in place to keep us
1: in chains I show of hands who else the sickest side of the same try to keep us small try to keep us from getting out minimizing the struggles they've caused saying I'm working hard enough we really should stop this fighting always we'll miss the fireworks there won't be any fireworks Here we go. And welcome everybody to Suck It! I am the great and powerful King of Kings, Prince of all that is awesome, Derek. How are you today? I hope life is treating you well. I know life is okay over here. We've had a couple, uh, bumps along the way over the last week, especially, uh, what happened on Monday, if y'all caught that show, that was a fun show. Um, uh, I'm still recovering from talking with that gentleman, um, Mr. Flat Earth Dave. I'm still very much recovering from that, but hey, I digress. Um, everything's great over here, and I hope everything's great on your end. And today, we are continuing on with our Mind, Body, and Soul series, um, really refocusing our energies and everything else in between, to take a step back from the music and comedy content um, that we normally do on the show and really kind of take a refocus on the mental health aspect of the show that we built our bones on. Um, Because that's what this whole show was started about, was mental health, but in a comedic and entertaining way. And I lost sight of that, and now I'm bringing it back. So welcome aboard. Strap your boots on. It's going to be a wild f***ing ride. But tonight, my guest is an author um writes books about mental health and you know other things and um has a very spiritual side to him and we'll get into all of that um you know because we all know my opinions on that and we're gonna kind of converse about that and have some fun with it and it'll be a you know a lot of fun so let's just get right to it um and bring him on the show so please without any further ado please welcome to the show Mr. Linwood Jackson thank you hey man how are you
0: Doing all right. Definitely happy to be here and, and you know, the, the show, your, your brand of show, I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I mean, no problem, man. I mean, it's, I, I, I pride myself on this show not falling into a niche. You know, it, um, that was one thing that I went against the grain with when I created this podcast, because when I was researching, you know, the, the best strategies to come up with a podcast, it was find a niche and stick to it. That's boring, I don't wanna do the exact same thing every day or every week, I can't do that. So I, I, I tried to make it as, you know, as fresh and you know, variety as possible. So you know, I talked to heavy metal bands, I talked to rappers, I talked to com- actresses and actresses, actors and actresses and comedians and mental health survivors and therapists and authors and everybody else in between, I don't care. You know, I try to make it as best as possible because everyone has a story to tell and I like to be the megaphone for that story. So uh, I'm glad I could be that megaphone for you today, sir.
0: Definitely. I mean, it's rare, like literally it's rare. Like even before we came on, I was just asking you like, is the green light there? And you let me know immediately that it was because there's like certain shows that you can go on where it's just like, I've been told, okay, you can't say this just because of that audience may not like that. Or you can say this, but you just can't link it to that because we don't really want to get into that or you can't, go into that direction because we don't want that, you know, but respect to respect.
1: Yeah. Oh, and I completely understand why show, some shows do that, but I also have a rule of the opposite effect. So like, um, say for instance, you were a major actor or major band or whatever, and your PR people emailed me and said, Hey, we want him to be on the show. And then they sent me a major list of like, no, no topics. Don't ask them about this. Don't talk to them about this. You not I immediately turned those people away. So if I don't allow that on my show to begin with, I won't do this, run the same restrictions on guests. The show is completely open for them. I, I had a guy who believes that the earth is flat on the show the other day. I don't know if you are a believer in that or not, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, but, you know, for an hour and a half, <laughs> him and I went back and forth and it drove my mind completely insane. Um... Just because just because some of the absurdities behind it, but um I have no problem talking to people like that. if you have a completely polar opposite you know uh, frame of view you know or you know frame of reference that's fine that's what makes conversations like this great Spice because, it up exactly because at, at the end of the day, if you and I can you know sit here and have a conversation and you know I, and we'll get into this you know as we progress because you'll find out really quickly, I am not the religious, I am not the bible guy, I am not any type of, you know, I have kind of an opposite of view of mental health, you know, from spirituality versus what you believe. But at the end of the day, after we have this conversation of two completely different points of view, we can walk over to each other. We're not, obviously not because you're not in Virginia. (laughs) You're not sitting right next to me. But if we were sitting next to each other, shake each other's hand, give each other a hug and call each other brother and walk away happy. That's the idea behind this show. Different viewpoints, sometimes different, you know, philosophies, but always coming together as human beings, as brothers that we are. We are in this world, and just being together and being happy.
0: Dialogue. I mean, it's, it's pure dialogue, and I think the will also be interested because I'm not the religious either. And that's that's mainly the main point why your show stood out to me is because the irreligious aspect is taken into a context of where it's you know, it's frowned upon to not be, you know, to not think in that sort of domain. But for me, the sort of books that I write, I I am in that world of, of religion, but I also get, you know, um, taken off from there because I'm not teaching what the, is traditionally taught. I'm I'm teaching what the philosophy that is within the book gives, which isn't being taught by, you could say the experts or seminary trained, which actually turns people away from religion in the first place. But what, what what you know what I I write about is it's not an expose. It's more of, you know, you go and then you branch out and then you return to it. Repeat and enlarge is is basically what I do. And it's it gets down to the point where in my books the definition of religion is something that you should actually stay from, according to what the Bible teaches. So yeah. what I so what in the point of that is because as you, you've alluded to in the beginning, the mental health aspect of it religion in in and of itself it means you get down to the original language. it means a coming together, like a coming together, so it's used to bring people together, but not necessarily positively, yeah. and not necessarily for the for the for the point of realizing that you and I are human beings it, it's more to the point of I'm a human being, so I'm less than a human being. So I need to attribute something to that is similar to a human being, but that I can say isn't a human being, but I believe it should be, but it's not. And then that makes it you know, false because you, you're in this experience of a human being experience and you have nothing to relate to. You can't see anything to relate to, but you can feel everything to relate to. And you can know actually everything outside of you feels too. So on, on the one hand, you have religion telling you that you need to feel this way in order to be this way. But on the inside, you're saying I need to be this way so that I can feel this way. And what I do in my books is I, I, I get down to the language that is within the Bible, uh, both Hebrew and Greek, to, to show that the main point is love. But in essence, I have to get through a whole bunch of rubbish that has been tossed over the book yeah. just to get to that one point.
1: Yeah, and you know, I apologize if I if I misinterpreted, but you know, like when I, and I'm sure some other people have as well, when they go to your website and they click on the bio about you, you know, yeah. there's a, a bunch of Bible verses and you know stuff like that. So when I read when I read through that or skimmed through it, because I don't, one thing about me, so don't you know, um, is uh, <clears throat> I don't do much research on my guests. Okay. I don't, and there's and I do that by design because yep. the thing about it is I when we're having these conversations because they're not interviews they're conversations i'm gen, when i ask a question i'm genuinely asking for the sake of knowledge so when i hear it for the very first time my audience is hearing it for the very first time with my you know with my mental health disorder sometimes i lose interest very quickly if i already know the answer to a question Mm. I'm not going to ask that question later on. So what's the point of me doing all this research and then never getting to the heart of the the conversation? So I do very little research. Therefore, I'm more intrigued by when we first start the conversation to ask a bunch of questions. Otherwise, it's going to sound scripted. I I don't like doing that. So it's very, very, that's why I said to you before, it's open forum. Say whatever you want because I want to know more about you. So when I skimmed through your bio, I just wanted to know a little bit about you. And I saw, hey, okay, so he he's, has a bunch of viewpoints on the, the Bible and he likes quoting Bible verses and stuff like that. Cool. I, I, I can dig that. So that's, that, was, that was my frame of reference. He writes books, he quotes Bible verses, and he talks about mental health. Fantastic. That's all I need to know to start a conversation with you. So, you know, if I misinterpreted it, that, that's my apologies. Um, so you're so you're not a religious person, which is fantastic, because I am not either. But you are spiritual. You do do you, what. So what exactly do you use the Bible for? And what and what do you believe the Bible is Put it that way?
0: Definitely. Um, but what do I use the Bible for? The first question, I use the Bible for guidance on how to love myself. So the the. The root of the Bible's issue, the philosophy, is bettering the human condition. We are not created decent. We're created very indecent. And in a sense of where we are our own biggest flaws internally and also mentally. So I use the Bible because I've learned over the years that I do not have a knowledge of what true love is. being misguided by the romantic definitions of love, both uh, regarding male and female and also regarding how you please yourself. That I've been lied to in that aspect since a child and just going through different things in life and realizing that I need a definition of, of love because I've in turn, I've done things to abuse myself to the point where I thought I was loving myself and to the point where I needed to punish myself for not loving myself enough and not having that definition. So my my major my major thing about getting into the Bible is because there was first of all no other philosophy that could satisfy my my need, my need for understanding on how to care for myself. I, I didn't want to go into a religion because I didn't want to deceive myself. I wanted to look at myself. Religion makes you not look at yourself. So I and I understood the Bible was whatever it would be, but coming across nothing else that was positive, I dipped into it just so that I could if this is it, if, if there's something in here, I, I need to see something. And I saw the philosophy that was in it and it helped me to understand that there is a missing knowledge of love, not just within me, uh, within every single human being. So I began writing books. My first book, Perfecting Performing Personal Religion, is it's a book of the experience that I went through when learning how to apply the diet of self-love. And so I went through that book and I published it and I was like, if, if I'm really going through this, then everybody else has to really be going through this also because the one thing that you learn when you realize that you have a condition of being human that is naturally faulty is that there's no no self without other. And so learning that there's other out there, um, it it, it motivated me to just dig deeper into the philosophy. So where I then began to understand a a kind of deviation from the Christian religion and what the Bible teaches, and so what the Christian religion teaches is not what the Bible teaches. And to get to what the root root is, I had to actually learn what the, the Bible taught as opposed to what the Christian religion teaches. And that is also another one of my, my things. It's it's not just self-love because, in a sense, religion harms the love that we can give to ourselves. And I'm not talking about religion and sense of spirituality. There's religion in basketball. There's religion in music. There's religion in food. There's religion in clothes. Um, there's religion in self. There's religion in... And placing that on another person, and so just to get to the root of the religion that we each individually have—that's messing with our human condition in that aspect—and bring it into the religious world of the Bible and seeing how the Christian religion really does not teach anyone how to love themselves, as as any other religion would uh, would or does not. Sorry, it continues with that same trend, and that why it continues with that same trend was disturbing me when. When I'm in, my, I'm in the book, my face is in the book, I'm, re, I'm doing the research from Hebrew and Greek, reconstructing the sentences, and I'm seeing that what is in the Bible is not what is being taught, and the books that I'm publishing and the interviews I'm having, people are say, telling me the same thing. I'm in church and I'm listening. There's nothing that I'm hearing that is, is making me understand that what is in the Bible is what this, this person standing up in front of a church is saying. Yeah. Two, two different things which further encouraged me to publish more books and to get deeper into my research because what I was publishing and what I was saying, I was, I'm seeing that it, it's, it's helpful. So the love that I needed to find in myself, I'm seeing that the people who are sitting in churches looking for that same love themselves and the people standing up and feeding the people in the churches don't have that love themselves. And some of them are honest enough to tell me that they don't and that they don't believe in what they're teaching because what they do teach in the seminaries has no relation to what's in the Bible and so here I am. Um, I publish these books, and I and I say these things, and I write, and I study just for the point of leaving a mark of love in this age that has not been defined for, it seems, thousands of years, um, because the things that I am I'm uncovering and the things that I'm studying, they're not being taught in churches, and they're they're not being taught in seminaries, yeah. and they're and they're not being taught mainly because one, they want to keep minds asleep, or two, they want to keep awake minds away from learning what is actually being taught. So you've got these two branches of people who are asleep from what's being taught, they're feeding into it, and then you've got another group who leave, and they call themselves either atheists or evolutionists or whatever they want to call themselves, and they latch onto another form of religion just because this one doesn't make sense. And so for me, it's we need to understand that there is a knowledge of love for the human condition that is within this philosophy, and that is encoded in this philosophy, which is written in the form of story. Reading the Bible as literal makes no sense because it's not written literally. The, the, we, and that's as, what, as, yeah. And that's it, what I was asking about. Yeah. Yep. That that's the second the second point. The 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 Bible is written from an Eastern mind uh, perspective. Uh, we read the Bible from a Western perspective, which is self. So when we're we're reading the Bible, we're trying to connect it with an individual purpose or an individualistic concern. And so from that point of view, it will make zero sense.
1: Yeah, and that's the biggest (laughs) problem I have with it. Yeah, because I mean, you you hit on a a bunch of good points there. Um, So like for me, you know, I don't consider myself an atheist at all. Um, Because I do believe in a higher power. I just don't know what his or her name is. So, you know, it could be, it could be Allah, it could be Jesus, it could be God, it could be Bob, who knows? You know, I don't know, and I'm hopeful that there is one, but I don't know for sure until I die. Okay, nobody knows for sure until we die. So that's how I, so I consider myself more like a hopeful, (laughs) you know, I I hope that it's real. I mean, I, I don't, but I don't know for sure, so I'm open to listening to everyone's, you know, points of view. Um, and, it, and you're a hundred percent right as far as the, the Bible being non-literal. Um, cause one of the biggest points of contention that I have always had with the Bible, cause I was raised Catholic and I went to Catholic school. So I was thumped hard as a kid, um, all up until I was almost a teenager just, and I started becoming a free thinker. I was like, wait a second, there's something wrong here. Um, yeah. but, um, you know, after I left you know, Catholic school, and we started going to public school, and started doing this research for myself. I found out about you know, you know, the Roman times when they rewrote the Bible and took things out, and blah 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 blah, and all this stuff, and you know, <laughs> and what always got me was I've always been an LGBTQ supporter, okay. But one of the things that has always boggled my mind is when they went and back and they re, retooled the New Testament and the Old Testament. You know, they left those things in that were anti-LGBTQ, but yet the Romans were some of the biggest, you know, you know, advocates for, you know, love and homosexuality and all this other stuff, because they were doing stuff in bathhouses that most gay men would be like, whoa, really? You know, for about sure. today. And so they were sitting there saying it's wrong, but then doing it themselves. So that right there always confused me. Um so but then on top of that, you know, the fact that religion allows you to cherry pick the Bible of what is right and what's wrong and you know, the things that are taught in the old testament are now meaningless and the Levitical law, you know, died when Jesus did, but yet they still hold some of some some people still hold Levitical law to be truth and should be doing this. But I'm like, wait a second, so he was died to to stop that. So all those things kinda of went away. But yet you still, okay, so it, doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, there's so many contradictions. And in my opinion, you know, religious um, trauma is one of the biggest leading causes of mental health issues in this country today. For sure. Worldwide. Um, and, that's, and that is a hard truth for some people to really understand.
0: It's a hard truth because it's 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 difficult to differentiate between the anal- analogical and the and the literal and what is real. So the it's it's real difficult to think that what is literal. You think what is literal is actually there. And you think what is real should be there, but it's really not. So when I when I go through the Bible and I see that it's not in an actual literal context, it's literal it's literal in the point of its analogical scheme. And what I mean by that is that there is a reality deep embedded within this within the script that is within it, within the narrative. And and that and that narrative has to be understood or else it's gonna just appear to be garbage. And it's it's gonna be garbage based on the mind that wrote it. And and I try to get um in my book so whenever I speak, just just for minds to think about the fact that the people that wrote these things, they were not Catholics. Um they 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 were not Christians. They, they didn't have a pagan um, religious or pagan polytheistic frame of mind, as did the Romans or, or the Persians at that time. Mm-hmm. These were the philosophy of the Eastern mind is very, very different. And the entire Bible is written as a story based on the philosophy. So this, each each book tells a story of what the overall narrative of the philosophy of the Bible is. Um, I'll give I'll give you um, I'll give you an example. Because you mentioned the Levitical law in perfect example. A perfect example is the book of Job. You've got the book of Job. You have an individual um, who who worships his God and he does a bunch of sacrifices to his God and he he burns this and he, he does that and he drinks that and he pours this out on this side and he does this on a daily basis and he does it not just for himself but it's for his family and for everything else. One day his life collapses. So his life collapses, he loses his economy because his religion brought him a lot of economy. He, he loses his family because God protected his family. Now they're gone. He loses everything and he ends up going on a very, you know, harsh tirade, a rant about how he's been worshiping God this entire time and yet God has allowed this to happen to him. So reading, reading that story just from, from a surface basis, that's, that's just all you see. You see someone who has been serving God all his life and now all of a sudden God has decided to let bad things happen to him because this is just what God can do. God can just toy with people. Just
1: to test him, yeah.
0: But the, the, the language behind that, the language behind it, the, the deeper version of that is that Job actually represents a religious philosophy. And in the Bible, there's two different religious philosophies. Uh, the first religious philosophy is appreciation to a divine eye through rites, ceremonies, baptisms, um, and graduations, and feasts, and celebrations, and whatnot. You do these things, you sacrifice what you can sacrifice, whether it's bloodless or not, uh, to whatever eye you believe is watching you, and you're considered righteous, holy, pious, beautiful, and everything special. Uh, the second philosophy is that this philosophy has absolutely no reality or absolutely no sort of vindication for the human being, and it's, and it's trash. And in replace, in in its place is a mental health aspect of it where the experience isn't done physically through acts and deeds. It's done inwardly through the inward person conflicting with their character to better themselves uh, mentally as a human being and devotionally as a person. So with the, the story of the book of Job is actually a lesson that no matter how many sacrifices you give to whatever you believe your God is, no matter what you do, None of these things are actually pleasing, and none of these things actually do anything to stop anything or to better anything. So the lesson is that these things do not actually please any kind of God that we think they please, so there must be something better, or there must be something else. That, yeah. That's that's the depth of that that one story.
1: Yeah, and what what's funny is a lot of people use that book as well and that story. To show yeah. how vengeful and fearful you should be of God You know, he's, yeah. a, he's a vengeful God he's a, You do. need to be a God-fearing human being why, why, and that's always, you know, especially with that story Why should I fear somebody that's that gave me life? I, that's I don't, and, that, and that's, and, and that's and again, another complete thing that just doesn't make any sense And it's a fear-based thing you know, and it's a control-based thing, you know. At the end of the day, I mean, take all the stories and, you know, reinterpret them however you want. Um, and I'm not talking about you. I'm t- I'm talking about everybody else. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, however, go through the whole book, both books, o- Old and New Testament, and answer this one question for me. Is the word Christianity in any of those books? Is the word, you know... Religion in any of those books. It's not. The only religion that's mentioned in those books is being Jewish or the Judaism, you know, that, that, because at the time it was a culture and not a religion. (laughs) And and people don't seem to grasp that concept. And now we've got all these different, you know, offshoots of these religions that are all man made. Yeah. In my opinion, it's a mind control and it's a it's a cash grab. You know, I I um I do a news show every morning. Um it's a comedy news show where I basically, you know, make fun of the news. But in my research this morning, I found out that one of the biggest profiters of the stimulus, you know, for um corporations this past year, was the Catholic Church. They collected Three billion dollars in stimulus um, and job protection funds from the government. Three billion dollars. One um, diocese—I can't remember where it was at. I think it was in North Carolina. Had a hundred million dollars in the bank and still applied and got an eight billion. Excuse me, an eight million dollar stimulus. So they had a hundred million, but they needed eight more. Right. And and, and that just again that if that doesn't show you the the control and greed of a of of at least the Catholic Church. What will uh, you know? What I'm you know what I'm saying. I know you and I are on the same page, but it's like for those listening right now in your car or watching on YouTube, whatever. It's just like, what other evidence do you need? I mean, it's,
0: it, it'll never go away because it's traditional. Exactly. And and that's that's sort of that's sort of why I I I do what I do because the we're not a tradition, like we're human beings. And the, what I like to teach is actually, I got it from Paul, I, um, dissecting his philosophy. The way that the, the first apostles actually taught their doctrine was that they, they used the, the frame of reference of that crucified figure, not literally, but analogically. Um, that body represents, as they broke it down, it represents a religious philosophy. Mm-hmm. And the religious philosophy that it represents is, is I mentioned before that that brand of claiming yourself elect based on what you can do or perform uh, for the divine eye that you believe is watching you. So that that crucified body represents the crucifixion of that that religious philosophy. The, yeah. cruci- the crucifixion of that religious philosophy it means that there is now an alleviated, as it says, and he gave up his ghost. Um, in the original language, that's it's not in literal context. That ghost isn't the giving up of a literal ghost. It's the giving up of a religious philosophy, the ghost of a religious philosophy, like right? the ghost of Christmas past. One of those things. Yeah. And that that new alleviation, it, it's a new way of approaching the way that you view your devotion. That's why I don't really like to use the word religion. I like to use the word devotional health, mental and devotional health, because it, it's the way that you're devoting your mind To your inward, uh, spiritual confidence, or your devotional, your conversations, conscience, in a sense.
1: Yeah, and that's another um, point too that I wanted to make. Um, I'm really liking this conversation, by the way, Linwood. Uh (laughs) Um, One of the things, you know, whether you're a creationist or an evolutionist, um, one of the things I think the Bible takes away from um, is the unity of human beings. Okay, and let me tell you why I think that. Um, me being a, an evolutionist and, you know, believing in Darwin and, you know, all this other stuff, um, one of the things that I think the Bible doesn't do well enough of is unity. And from a evolution standpoint, at one point in time, you know, our ancestors, yours and mine, were... All together in Africa, or at it was a different country at the time because it was all one place. But we were all together, evolving from Cro-Magnon man and Neanderthals and all this other stuff as one color, one race of of people, and we all migrated out and started doing our own thing. And I think the Bible there's a there's. Um, Stories in there that you can use as alliterations for that exact same thing. But I don't think it focuses on that enough. Because, you know, when you take a 23andMe or an Ancestry.com, you know, you know blood test and you get your results back, everyone has 0.3% African, Nigerian, whatever, you know, in their bloodstream because we're all came from the exact same place at one point in time. And I think, you know and that's but the fact that the bible doesn't talk about that and religion doesn't talk about that is one of the reasons why we have the the kkk and then we still have you know all these you know the nazis and all this other stuff that believe in this hate based on religion and the 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 perfect being and you know so on and so forth and now if we take that into consideration it's like wait a second there's no reason because at one point in time we were all we were all black at one point in time. Why can't we understand that? Why can't we understand that we're all human beings and we just evolved it differently? Who cares what color we are now? We are, we're all blood. We're all relatives in some which way, shape, or form. You know? And I think that the Bible doesn't do enough of that, and that's what causes a lot of divide between countries and people.
0: It's, it's mental. The, the unity is mental. And the divide will always be there because... Um... Well, the philosophy of Darwin. His original publication was Evolution and the Division of Human Species. Mm-hmm. So, the, his original publication. And keep in mind, Darwin Darwin graduated as uh, with a B.A. in theology. Correct. People don't know that.
1: I do not. I didn't do that yet.
0: But da- Darwin's he he's he never left the, the 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 his point of a a Christian God. He. He rejected the Christian God, but he understood that there was a, a a being of creation. Which which, if you read in his memoirs, that's really what inspired him to to really do his discoveries. Correct. He he wanted to connect his discoveries to the being that he knew existed, but that wasn't in the Christian religion. Can't fault him on that.
1: No, and that's it, and that's kind of what I believe as well. I mean, of course, yeah, yeah. I believe it, it was like whatever the supreme being is, just kind of put specks of stuff out there. And then just kind of said, evolve. You know, he put it there and then let nature and science take over because he is science. He is nature. She is nature. She is science. And kind of said, let it happen. And watched it grow. And so I, I kind of, that's exactly what I believe. So you're on the right path. Absolutely.
0: But my thing is that even though he, he believed this, he kind of diverted with the, the, uh, the prevalent thought of, of, which is basically a new at that point in time in his day concept called race. And he fed into that um, in his in his dialogue on evolution. He, he changed the name for the second publication, I think he got rid of the four species um, in it evolution for species because he, he cut down the human frame into species. And that that sort of foundation is what built religion. I mean, sorry, is what built actually the religion of racism. Correct. From, from that first, from that first, um, the father of, of this theory of evolution, which, which actually is a theory that didn't begin with Darwin, it actually began in Rome. Yeah. So this, this, his, his take on species is actually the traditional religion of the secular, secular world um, that, that we now see. So in a sense, that, that form of unity that evolution teaches, it, it really it, it teaches unity based on species which is a form of disunity. Correct. And in a sense, that disunity, I will say, uh, just because it's my field of study, it's made up within the, not necessarily the, the religion of the Bible, the philosophy that is within the Bible, which is mental. That, that mental aspect of understanding that we are all human and that we all have a human condition that is fraudulent and that that human condition is naturally created fraudulent and that our task as human beings is to do together get over that fraudulence, as human beings. That is a unity that extends beyond what we can call uh, community-based learning, which is what religion is. Community-based learning is, tr- is, is a tradition that's passed down from one generation to the next. And this community-based learning, it, it doesn't have anything to do with, with mind. It's, this is what's taught, this is the legend, and this is what needs to be believed. But the philosophy within the Bible in and of itself it transcends that mm-hmm. by bringing the experience inwardly. You bring it inwardly, you can realize that you are just as you, just as you were saying. We are the actual same, going through the same experience, not necessarily as human beings, but as mind, because we just have a mind to, to, to move this machine. We have a brain to enhance the feeling of being what it means to be human. We can, there's, there's different debates about this, I, I believe it to be true. We can live without this body as simply just a mind. But we have this mind within a body to, to do great things while we're here, in it, mm-hmm. feeling and for one another. So the, 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 the unity that it's not so clearly seen because religion definitely kills it, but the philosophy that is within the Bible is unity based, based on the, the awareness mentally and, and devotionally of our lacking as human beings. And that awareness is so difficult to come from. And I, I do what I do just so that I can bring awareness to that form of unity because we're, we're looking for community physically. We're, we're physically, we think that we're physical beings firstly, but we're not. We're looking for a physical community where we can relate with one another physically, but that's not how it goes. That's, that, that's, not, how, that's not how life is. Like everything begins mentally. If you think about where you're going, if you're going to see a game, Sure, you want to feel the game and you want to feel everything, but you're there first because your mind is like, I love how this organization runs the team. I love how this player plays. I love how the people around react around this one team. I love the camaraderie that's there. It's all mental. The mental builds up to the physical so that that unity, if we can get to that unity mentally, dude, you'll see it.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I firmly agree exactly with what you're saying. Um everything you said is 100% accurate. I mean, including the Darwin stuff. Um and when I said I believe in the Darwin stuff, I just meant the evolution, not the what not the his whole belief system because I do believe there was a little weirdness going on there, but um but yeah, you're 100% right. And you know, we are but again, at the end of the day, regardless of the mind or the body and you know the the vessel that we carry with us, you know, we were all again created equally. And, um, yeah, I mean, and there's, there's no one, and this kind of goes against with what you just said, but I think it's the same thing either way, you know, we are this, the human race period, you know, and whether that's a a race of minds, a race of bodies, whatever the case might be, we're the human race, the mankind, just one thing, you know, yes, there might be. Differences between us, but we're all the same, and you know it's it's and that's where the unity needs to be. I, I firmly agree with you. Like with that's the saying. core,
0: that's yeah. the core. Like even like even there's this thing going on. I, I I literally don't even know about it. I just found out about it like yesterday. There's this thing going on where people are calling themselves pronouns. Like, and I, it's something that's new to me. But at the same time, it's just like you're
1: talking about they them and stuff like that.
0: Hers his them she's yeah th- things like that and, and to me like that that's new that that's that's new because the way I see it is human I I, I really I understand that there's genders and whatnot but at the same time human and that th- there's a mentality behind that that you really if you're going through that process and this is what I this is what I write about um, that, that, that process of knowing you are human and of knowing that you are, that yourself lacks character, that you think that your character comes from yourself, but yourself is actually undeveloped as a human self. It's lacking thought and feeling. To go through that experience of thought and feeling is to understand who you are and who you are not. And so like that, that, the, that also is a clash of unity. So like the the human being, I, I say it not as one word. This is I'm saying it as two words, the human and the being. Correct. They've 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 got to wrestle. Yeah, they've they've got to wrestle.
1: The um the whole idea of the pronouns thing, um, isn't uh, definitely 100% a hundred percent an LGBTQ thing. Um, you know, especially with the uh, the they them, um pronouns that's somebody who is um, non-binary or androgynous or whatever, somebody who doesn't care about gender norms. You know, I, I, I might want to dress like a boy today. I might want to dress like a girl tomorrow. Who cares? Okay. You know, I, I am who I am. So don't call me a she or he I, I'm they or them. So when you don't say when she went to the market, no, when they went to the market, Hey, can you call them and have them come here? You know, that's how it's kind of it. So it's, it's them just saying, I'm a human, I'm, a, um, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. Um, I'm not male or female, you know, it doesn't matter what organ is sitting there between my legs, I'm just a human, and let me be who I want to be. So if that's kind of where it kind of comes into play, um, uh, and then, you know, obviously there's a lot more to it, but as far as, like, the they, them um, pronouns, it, it's just that they don't want to be associated as a male or a female because they believe that they're just a human.
0: I appreciate you breaking that down for me, uh, cause it's new, at least to me. Yeah, you know, I stay, I, I, I keep where my field is, but and so when I hear different things, you know, it's, it's it's an inquiry, because my mind is just trained to get to the root of human human issues. Yeah, and and to me, like the, the issue of being human is mental.
1: Correct, and I think what um, to kind of tie it to what you were saying, as far as you know. That kind of stuff, you know, could be, you know, anti-unity. I think from their point of view, when they're doing it, it's more unified. because I can see that. Because it's it's there's no division of man or woman. It's just human. It's just a being. It's just a person. And, you know, because, you know, they don't want to be classified as one or the other. They just want to be who they are. Um, and, and I think that right there in itself is, you know... Unification personified. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a it's deeper than I'm a dude. That's who I am. But to say I don't care what you label me as, I know who I am, and I want to dress like in you know in a dress and heels tomorrow, but then I want to wear baggy pants and a backward hat the next day. That's just who I am, and I like that about those types of people. So again, that's that's kind of where it comes from. You know, they just don't want to be called she or him. They just want to be said. Can you call them or? Hey, can you, Hey, can you come here for a second? You know? And that's, that's just how it, that's how it comes down. And I, and I, again, I like that about them. Yeah, that worked. Oh, I like that about them. <laughs> um, cause, cause, it, cause again, it, it, I think it's more, I think it's more, unif- unity coming down to it again. Cause then it, it, it takes away not only the, the race card or, you know, the ethnicity card, it, it, takes away the gender card as well and it's just person
0: what's well, redefining person it's yeah. it's, re- it's redefining person in a way that uh, that that makes life more natural it, mm-hmm. again it's it's going back to the to the religion of evolution which is you know you're just a body of chemicals and that body of chemicals is dictated by a body of chemicals which is you so it, in, in a sense, you're ruled by the body of chemicals or the or the mind within that body of chemicals. That's that's the number one rule. And it's defining human in a, in a, in a, in a new fashion, getting away from person, which in, in a real sense, person is firstly mind. You know, we're, as human beings, we have two minds. There's a mind within our biology and there is a mind with inside of our biology. And that, that's, that's the battle we all deal with. That's, that's the conflict of not knowing who we are. We're dealing with a biological mind that, that's, that's telling us that this is our, our, our true self, but at the same time internally, there's another mind telling us this biological mind is really not what's really that mind for us to live by. And so like that, that battle is a battle that's it's either given into or it's wrestled with. If it's wrestled with, the, the fight is given up easy or the fight is not given up easy. That's, that's the battle of being human not necessarily you know giving in to a sort of brand of you know this is this is my brand i'm going to just stay over here where there is unity meanwhile there's other human beings who your who your person is not affecting because you're staying into that brand and you're believing that that's that's i'm accepted here you know i don't want to be over here like you, your person needs to be where you're not accepted because then you can enlighten somebody. You can enlighten another person just from them believing that you shouldn't be accepted and them going, yo, yo, she's they've them over there, you know what I'm saying? It's just just like there's an intellect within our person that transcends our biology, is what I'm trying to say. And I think that that it just I can't get away from the point of unity being um mental, mental slash devotional. Yeah. To the point where we are defining human in a sense of what the of what the condition is, not of what our biology dictates it should be.
1: There was a movie that came out in the 90s. I cannot remember the name of it for the life of me. But it was about a, you know, the stereotypical nerdy fat kid in high school. And, um, which was me, by the way. Um, so I, I felt really at home watching this movie. I was like, I know this kid. That's me. So, um, the whole idea behind the movie was you know, you got to be normal, fit in with society, you know, got to be normal, get them to be normal, you got to be normal. And he set out to prove a theory. And what he did was he took, he was a science geek, um, he took a petri dish, two different petri dishes, um, one filled with one type of organism and one filled with another organism. And he took out a little bit of each and then swapped, you know, put introduced two foreign objects basically into the other other ones and was trying to figure out whether or not they're going to adapt or die and figured out that everybody adapts and True. you know and at the, and his conclusion was there is no normal you know cuz at that point you're adapting to the the surroundings around you so uh, good analogy good analogy good analogy yeah and um it was, a, it, was just a, it was an amazing revelation for him. I'm like, wait a second. That's actually really true. Because just like you said, if you introduce yourself into a place that you're not supposed to be, you're going to learn something new. You're going to teach something new. And you're going to walk away more educated than you ever were before. It's just like they will as well. And that was the idea behind this whole movie. Was that this, you can be a nerd. You can be a geek. You can be the jock. You can be the, the fat kid. Whatever everybody's going to learn to adapt and accept everybody for who they are eventually. And cause there is no normal. And I love that whole concept because it's exactly what you just said. And it, it really hits home on that front because yeah, it really does. And that that's, that's my realm. I I take that concept and I, I
0: place it into the world, into the religious world of, of what I write in because the norm is traditional. What the, the, what the main philosophy is, is that there's, there's, there's no such thing as tradition. There's not. Uh, throughout, even in the book of James, you, you find that the council at the very end, the very last verse, the council is to keep yourself um, inwardly and devotionally away from this term called religion. Keep yourself from the philosophy within the religious world. The point being is that the norm isn't actually the norm that is better for your human being. And even uh, when it says, you know, uh, for in the book of Colossians, Paul's talking and he says that this, the, the form of religion that's, that's, that hurts us, he phrases it as it's against us and it's contrary to us. Um, in, the, in the language, in that us isn't a literal community of people, that us is our inward or faith's intellect or our devotional conscience. Whatever is considered norm to the religious world, it's contrary to our conversations conscience and to its growth and development. That's what, that's what the, that's what the, the right symbolism of seeing that crucified figure means. It means the annihilation of a contrary religious philosophy and the alleviation of the conversations conscience to a more real experience to where you are feeling what is not normal. And what's, what's not normal is you, you're not normal. I'm not normal, and I need to feel that in order to be better.
1: Yeah, because there isn't any normal. Normal doesn't exist. And to kind of touch on a little bit more about what you were saying about the tradition thing, um, when somebody breaks from tradition, from something you've been taught forever, there's always an uproar. There's always somebody offended, whatever. I remember – I can't remember if it was this pope or the last one. Um, One of them said, without – science there would be no God and without God there would be no science like joining the whole religious aspect of things with science people lost their shit when he said that and it was like I I, I don't remember the exact quote it was something to that effect though and like but then at the same time you know it, it was just I enjoyed watching people lose their mind over this because it was just like how dare he you know and then later on you know either the the same pope or the the new pope i can't remember which one was which who said what but or then maybe they both said the exact same thing but then they were like you know they accept the lgbtq community and then they people lost their shit again it's like so it's amazing to me when a a, even a religious leader the person who's in charge of the entire religion breaks from tradition you know, people still lose their mind about it. And it's not like Bob over here just said, Oh, you know, I, I'm just going to break away and people are, you know, shun Bob. No, there's like, are leaders saying this? What do we do? And, and they still lose their mind. And it, it's, it's, the human psyche is ridiculously fragile. And the moment you mess with anybody's frame of thought that, They've been thinking for such a long time. Even though you have proof or evidence, or you can sh- physically show them what they believe is wrong or, or what they're saying is wrong, they refuse to believe it. Um, you know, and they try to do everything they can to prove you're you're wrong, even though you're showing them that that, that they're they are, and it's 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 baffling. And again, when you eventually figure that out. And you, or figure out that you are wrong, or what you were taught was wrong, or you were misinformed, um, educated improperly, however, whatever phrase you want to use in it, the mind breaks and they have these, you know, mental breakdowns and they have depression because for now they were always, you know, and that's why, again, going back to the religious trauma leading into mental illness is so raw and real because everything you just said is, is so, you know, tradition is so vital to their existence. And the moment somebody breaks away from that, you know, it, then it's like, Oh, well, how is that going to affect me? It doesn't affect you. Just let it be, <laughs> you know, and, but people just lose their mind. But it's
0: like that because it's emotional. Yeah. Um. You You can't really, You can't really be religious without being emotional and if you're if you're going to be traditional you're only traditional because it's tied to someone that you believe you love or that you hold in a high regard which is why a religious leader can say something that is extreme to the tradition and it can just be like accepted accepted or outrageous because there's an there's an emotion tied to it so and that's that's really what that's really what does it it's Language through emotion, that's, that's really what feeds um, the religion. It's, it's your emotion. If you can actually bring yourself to, to be emotional about it, then you can believe that it's real enough to actually be true and valid without needing any kind of confirmation. Contrary to our human experience, which throws off the mind that needs that kind of validation that's beyond emotion, mm-hmm. that, that the mind that, that moves beyond emotion, it needs logic. And the mind that moves beyond beyond logic, it needs scientific proof, and that's the whole point of what you were saying that 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 revelation, of when you do realize that you're corrected, and then the person, or or whoever, they get depressed. The depression comes from emotion. My my father lied to me. My mother lied to me. Um, I believe this since a child. It's it's all tied to emotion which is a, a, false, a false guide and that depression happens. Or someone who is, who is real and someone who is genuine, they won't let that depression bother them, but they will let that be a motivation. It's almost like I need you to hate me because the hate is a fuel. I, I need hate in my life because that means I'm doing something right. I need depression. I can only be depressed for so long until I actually rationalize the hell I'm, I'm depressed about. If I can get to that point of rationalization, then I can realize that there's a sort of, there's a scheme going on within my head, outside of my head, I'm, I'm really not. There's no such, nothing's depressing outside of my head. Yeah. There's only a depression inside of my head. And the depression is being caused from some sort of emotional trauma, as you said earlier. To get to the root of that emotional trauma is to realize that the people that taught me are fraudulent. And that's hard. That, that's what makes the depression really difficult is because you're finding fraudulence in religious figures and in your mother and father. And you don't want to conflict with what you believe of them or with what yourself. So you get depressed or you either abandon what you believe or you pick yourself up and you move on to a higher knowledge to do something about who you believe is, is, is not doing okay with what they believe. Those are the three different scenarios. And that's just the the wreckage and also the beauty that religion can cause when you're in it it's 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 very gross uh, but at the same time depending on the person and depending on their will it can be very alleviating and very liberating when you can know that there is no such thing as as religion as is defined in the western culture and that you in and of yourself you have the capability of developing not necessarily a religion but a a, a philosophy to live by and to continue to get knowledge by, to decode your human experience for something transcending your child experience,
1: which haunts us um, tremendously. Yeah. Yeah. Still to this day, you know, I, I still have, you know, some of the the childhood trauma that I have from, you know, Catholic school. Still, It's real. It, it still haunts me to this day. It's real. You know, because... I've told this story before, so I'll give you the abbreviated version. But you know, I was the, when I went to the Catholic school, I was the poor kid, you know, the, the regular middle class kid. Um, but they called me the poor kid because my parents were earning, you know, average wages and couldn't afford the, the thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to send me to Catholic school. So I was there on a scholarship and a grant. And um, so I got ridiculed by the rich kids constantly. And beat up every day. And you know what the nuns did? Nothing. Because they knew that their parents were ones paying their salary. So they let it happen. And then the moment I stood up for myself after being tormented for four years, guess who gets suspended? Yeah, that's how it goes. And then I realized right then and there that this is all a cash grab. And it's a, and it's a cult. It's a thing. It's not real. You know, they're, there just to collect a paycheck and, and that's, and that really hurt my mind. And then after I left that school and I started going to public school, I, I went to another Catholic church, you know, with my grandmother, cause I was forced to go and I had my ears pierced after I left Catholic school to rebel and, you know, be a normal teenager. Guy told the, the, the priest standing at the front of the church leading mass told me I was going to hell because I defiled God's body. Tough. He told a 13-year-old boy that you're, he he said, I'm I'm going to hell. (laughs) Oh, if that priest could see me now with my two tattooed arms and my legs and everything else in between, I defiled God's body many times. Sorry, bud. But, you know, like, you don't tell a 13-year-old boy that. There's a church in Oklahoma, and I just read about this yesterday as well, Um, that is a Catholic, not Catholic school. It's just a, it's a Christian school, but either way, there was this eight-year-old girl that was going there and she told another girl that she had a crush on her because she doesn't know either way. She just knows that she has a crush. The school found out about it and expelled her. And then before they expelled her, they told her what you're doing is a sin. God won't love you then proceeded to not only kick her out of the school, but her brother as well, who did nothing wrong. I think they, they kicked his brother her brother out as well and kicked her family completely out of the church altogether. This literally just happened this or last week in Oklahoma.
0: That's tough because it, it, it gets... See, we get, we get into the definition of God here. And the definition of God is not the same as we know it in the Western culture as it is within the Bible. And in, in every, in every outline of the word God in the Bible is connected to another word. And that's how the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches by word association and repeated word association. So in the Bible, the word, the word God is associated with strength. Associated, the word strength is with wisdom. Uh, with wisdom is associated understanding, with, with understanding is associated knowledge. And he gets to the point where all of these definitions lead back to the one word called quote unquote God. And in the Bible, the word God just simply means wisdom. Us in this in this Western world, we take God as being a human figure of authority of a, a, a sort of divine eye looking over us and watching what is what is just and what is unjust. And so there's cults framed around this one concept of what God is, or I should say, the Greek theos uh, theology. So theos, they're, they're framing this one, this one vision of of their of, of God, or this this one image and this one religion. And cults are because this is not a real thing. There's no such, there's no theos. There's there's no Zeus. There's it, the, Zeus has been translated to God the Father and. The Son of Zeus has been translated to the name Jesus, you know because these they, there's no real things of this, human beings have to make up sort of you know the flow of, of what they believe these 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 beings would be saying, and these cults are framed off of those flows and that's that's where that that's where that comes from where where it comes from you have priests of Theos saying saying things to children and you have institutions of Theos you know venging uh, on behalf of a theos that can't venge for himself. And so that's, that's, where that, that's, that's where that happens. And for me, I tell you, I do what I do to insert some, some sense into this whole thing because uh, the definition, it, it needs to be changed. It's, 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 it's done with the, 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 de- the definitions that we're used to, the traditional definitions that we're used to at this point in time and in this age, um, they're obsolete and i know they're obsolete not necessarily because of my own volition but because of what i'm hearing in these churches from people that are sitting there and from what i'm hearing from pastors themselves who do not actually believe what they're teaching what what what's being taught is obsolete in the point of view that they they they're teaching it's it's obsolete and for me you know i I've, I've gone through the experience of 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 determining the the two the two definitions of what we term god and i can I can because I write about this because I've experienced this enough to know that as a human being, other human beings need to know this too. That the word God is, is not is not Zeus you know, in the very first verse of john uh, chapter one and verse one, it says. In the beginning, the word was God. And that that's taken vaguely if you read it that way, but in, in the Greek, you know that word Greek the, the Greek word for the word word it simply means speech speech was God in the beginning, speech was God. The retranslation of of God into a a human figure is not something that the Bible has done. It is not not something that's associated in the Bible. The Bible does, the Bible rejects such an act of deviating from the original concept of the word God as being wisdom to being somebody that we can type as quote unquote, Jesus Christ, who is no historical figure and there is no You'll never find that. that that's, that's, that's the language. That, that's language that, that has been manipulated by human beings. Yeah. And for me, in my, in my writings, because I, I do the research and I dig into the research only because of my issue of needing love within. I dig into the research for that love and I'm seeing the fact of, okay, so this is really what God means. In Hebrew, the language, this, this is, as you, you said it earlier, culture and context of and it matters and it matters when reading this book because god equals wisdom there's a specific wisdom within the bible that is supposed to be quote-unquote god to us meaning that it's supposed to be the director of our thoughts and our feelings not necessarily a being we pray to it is supposed to be a a code of of living that we experience to gain knowledge of to live according to it as our own individual human person would live to it Mm -hmm. that is god this other concept is, 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 is built up by cults and it, and it's just, you know, it's nothing new. It's still sad and it's still continuing. But as I'm going through my experience, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that something has to be done. And so, but let's move these mountains. It's time, time to move these mountains.
1: I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, Regardless of everything else we've said in this last hour and five minutes, at the end of the day, the overall teachings that we need to be following, regardless of whether or not it's god zeus, Odin, whoever it's about love and uh, you know that's, that's 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 it that's it and, that's why I'm doing this dude, you have touched on something that I think a lot of people need to be more aware of, and i Deeply appreciate, you know, the level of extent, the extent that you've gone to, to, you know, prove your theories and deep dive and everything else like that in order to make the point that overall life is about love, you know, and living, you know, for love. And that's it. Whether it's a love in a partner or love in yourself, you know, you can't have a good life without love. And that's it. And I. That is a, that is a deep, deep, you know, it might sound very, you know, superficial. You it know, does sound that way, but it's deeper. But it, it's, it's deeper than it's, that. It's deeper. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot deeper. Yeah. And when you realize how deep it really is. That's the change. That's, that's, when that's the change it. Happens. Because, you know, have you constantly found yourself in abusive relationships your entire life? Have you found, constantly found yourself, you know, bouncing from one relationship to another or whatever the case might be? if you're one of those people then you haven't found love yet because you're not putting love out into the world because you don't truly love yourself and you're just you're trying to find anyone that's going to give you some type of attention in order to fill the need that you don't have that you're missing within yourself but the moment you should be giving exactly and the moment you find love within yourself and that love for who you are the person that's gonna that's supposed to be with you and you know the the person that you want to love for eternity is gonna eventually show their face. And but you can't do any of that until the love within yourself is is great is greater than the love without, you know, that you don't have
0: attraction. And that's 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 my main I, I published the book of poetry called Growth. And I base this poet this book of poetry for nine years, I've, I've been writing this po- these poems on and off. And these, these poems, they are my experience learning how to love myself. So the, the, the dialogue is between a male and a female. And as you go through it, you realize that they're not actually real people. The, the female is actually my mind and the male is my heart. And so each one of these poems is showing how my heart and my mind are either refusing to love one another, cannot live without one another, or are learning how to marry one another. And so that, that, that experience is the human experience, but I put it in the in form, form of poems because it needs to be understood that the love that we're looking for in whatever object we're looking for it in, whether it's physical or non-physical, the, the stimulus, the oxytocin and the serotonin that we're looking for, it's not gonna be found until we can fight with ourselves about why it's missing and what we can do to fill fill that gap we need to we need to we need to fight for our thoughts and our feelings away from what we think please our thoughts and feelings and getting getting within getting within and digging down into who we actually are and are not that's where it begins and that's the struggle that i try to relay through my poetry which is the human struggle, which which to me is leading to unity. To go through that struggle, can you imagine to go through the struggle of understanding that you are a human being that doesn't know how to be human being you're, and to accept that and to accept that that definition of being human, it's skewed based on your experiences from childhood up and that those experiences have not yielded the definition of love to you and in a knowledgeable scientific way. To then go through an experience of you just quitting everything that you believed, being depressed about yourself, fighting yourself, hating yourself, and then coming to understand that you have to love yourself because you didn't raise yourself, you didn't create yourself to give yourself the knowledge that you need to know at this point in time. That entire experience is is revolutionary. It's it's revolutionary for the planet that we are. We are a planet. Each and every single one of us is a planet. We have within us what the universe has inside of it that we can communicate. Energy-wise, our energy is off because we don't know that the energy that we need within is already within and has to find expression. Like Literally, that whole experience that's an experience that will make you love someone else who doesn't
1: realize that they need to love themselves.
0: And that's how that can begin.
1: Damn. Now that was deep. Holy crap. That gave me chills, brother. Um, that's damn. Um, dude, Linwood, man, you are an insightful and philosophical dude. And I greatly enjoyed this conversation, man. Um, You are are quite the person, and I appreciate your time, and I I appreciate what you did, you know, what you're doing. Um, You're you're quite the amazing person, and I appreciate what you did today, what you're doing, and the things that you said today, and I, I greatly thank you for being here.
0: Much appreciated.
1: Dude, um, I can't say enough about you, but um, all the links for Linwood's website and all the stuff that he does is in the um, description of this video and of the podcast. So please follow him, take a look at him, and uh, you know buy his stuff. Um, obviously, you know if you listen to this whole thing, the you know at the end of the day, it's it's true. The life is about love, and if you can't understand that, then this is the perfect opportunity for you to learn. but again Linwood thank you so much for being here man I appreciate you thank you no problem and for the rest of you guys thank you so much for hanging around and listening and being here on this day and I hope that you took something away from this conversation because I know sure as hell I did but until later you guys stay happy stay healthy and as always stay heavy we'll see you guys later have a good night peace